Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. If you want to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy, chapter 1. Okay. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. Paul writes this. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever felt or believed that you're better than someone else? Ever thought of that? Um, how many of you have gone to Bible college here? Anybody? Just a few of us? Where'd you go to Bible college, Bobby? Not seminary, Bible college. Oh, okay, because I thought you went to U of I. I mean, I'd like to say U of I. Any, nobody here? Ron, you did, right? Weren't you a tailor? Okay. Any, anybody? Nobody, just me? Oh, Sylvia did. Oh, and Dad. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I went to Moody. Oh, and Mint, where'd you go? Calvin. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I went to Moody Bible Institute, and the truth is we know that we are better than everybody else in the <laughs> country. So I've had that experience of understanding. Uh, in fact, Calvin was never even in the conversation. It was usually Wheaton and how much better we were than Wheaton. So there's, there's that sense of being better. We knew that we were better. Of course, then when I went to Trinity, the people that everyone disliked the most were Moody students because we knew who we were and that was a problem. So I think most of us in some way, shape, or form, as we've probably admitted, have looked at someone and thought, hey, yeah, I'm better. Uh, I don't know how many of you keep up on news, like if you read Google News or Yahoo News. Uh, it's not necessarily the news that interests me. What interests me is the comments about the news. Am I the only person that ever reads that stuff? I'm not, right? And how fun it is and, and how Republicans and Democrats spend so much time uh, calling each other names. You don't think, you're an idiot, you're a moron, and all the other extra words that they add in there. And so there's a lot of going back and forth of, hey, we are better than you. That's politics. Bible colleges, politics. But I also think spiritually we do that a lot too, don't we? Have you ever found yourself saying, man, about someone else as a Christian who's doing that, I would never do that. Or like, wow, I didn't realize that Christians did that. 
the last church that I was at, I remember one of the ladies came up to me and he said, you watch too many movies and too much TV. Pastors are not supposed to do that. And I said, but I think you watch more than me. And she goes, well, it doesn't matter. You're a pastor. I'm not. I can do that. <laughs> and that those were her words. But there's, there's something in us that, that sort of cries out that says, you know, I am better. And I don't know if it's our insecurities that we want to feel better or think that we're better, but I think it's just a practical reality. It happens. And uh, here, as we're reading about Paul, and we're going to get into this a little bit further, um, I, I think if I understand Paul correctly, and, and mind you, you might get to heaven, and Paul says, man, you totally missed the boat. You did not understand me. But I think he struggled with pride too. It's Because it seems like there's a lot of times where he's talking about being humble or where I could have been proud, but I'm going to be humble. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But I think there was a sense of pride that he felt, even in his own spiritual past in some ways, um, as well as his spiritual present, and, and, and on and on. But as we're looking at this passage, I want us to get to a place where we hopefully understand what Paul is trying to say and then come away with the right response. Uh, of what I think Paul would want us to respond with. So let's look at this, because I think there's two responses at least that comes out of this. Uh, one is that God's mercy and grace leads us to thankfulness. So let's go back to the verses, and it says, I thank Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul just basically starts out and says, I thank God for what he has done in me based on who I was in the past. Uh, clearly Paul says, listen, I was a blasphemer. Now Paul really thought he was following God, which makes sense because as a Jew, understanding who God was, that when people started to add to what God was saying and were starting to speak incorrectly about God, the Jewish response was, we cannot let this happen. It is, is, is mocking God, it, it's not good, and I need to take care of it. And Paul took that uh, to heart and then to the extreme. Because not only was he a blasphemer, but he was also a persecutor and a violent man. And the idea here is that the violent man is someone who not only inflicts cruel pain, but enjoys inflicting cruel pain. Does anyone remember the movie Toy Story and Sid? Right? Does any, did anyone not see Toy Story? This has nothing to do with your spiritual life. So you can, really, you, only one person has not seen, you should see, oh, you haven't either? Wow. It doesn't say anything about your spiritual life, but your social life. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing you. But Sid, is, if you remember, right, he was sadistic and cruel. And mind you, it was only toys, and it's not a real movie, and I, and I get all that stuff. But that's sort of the picture. He really enjoyed inflicting pain on toys, which is sort of the theme of Toy Story, right? And uh, Paul was like that. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't just a blasphemer and, and a persecutor, but man, he loved doing it. It's one of those things where he had a job and he not only loved doing it, but he loved beyond anyone else could actually love it. That's kind of the picture that Paul is, is saying. He said, listen, I am so thankful that God has done something in my life because when I look at my life and I see that I was a blasphemer and I see that I was a persecutor and I see that I was a violent man and then God in his grace is poured abundantly on me, like he drowned me in it. It's like waterboarding to the maximum, where God just looked at me and said, wow, I'm going to shed 
my mercy and grace on you. And what it did is it stirred in Paul a thankfulness because he realized this is who I was. I was bad. But God comes along and he works in me in his mercy and grace and he's changed me and his response is thankfulness. He is really grateful because he has grasped how far he actually strayed from God and how little he actually deserved God's mercy and grace. So Paul is telling his story, and while he's telling his story, I can imagine that when he writes, I'm thankful, I don't think it was like when little kids um, say thank you. You know, like when we go to the library with our little kids, we always tell them, say thank you. So the librarian gives them the sticker that they ask for, and they say thank you. But I mean, it's a sticker. They're not like, wow, thank you. It's really awesome. Like tomorrow's my birthday, and I can think of, of someone, and, uh, and I don't need presents, unless it's cash. But I, I can think of one person has given me three birthday presents that I've really enjoyed, and, and two of them I've worn. Like one, one uh, year she gave me a Star Trek uh, Academy University shirt. I was really thankful for that. I mean, sometimes you get shirts like this is a shirt is a gift. It's like a shirt is a shirt. But a Star Trek Academy shirt is really special, right? And then she also, with a group of other people, bought me my favorite Korean drama, The Immortal Yi Sun-shin, which I am watching a second time. That, when I got those gifts, it was like, wow, thank you so much. You know, there's a difference between saying thank you for a sticker because you're supposed to and saying thank you for a gift that you get because you are really excited about, I have this gift. And so I can see Paul saying, wow, this is really awesome. When I reflect on my past and I think about what, I have done, and then I think about what God did for me. This is awesome. And he is really, really thankful for that. Because if I understand what they tell us about Paul, he's not only throwing people in prison, but people are dying because of his ministry as a protector of the Old Testament faith. And I have never killed anyone, and I hope that I never do. But has anyone ever seen the TV show Person of Interest? Okay, in season one, episode four, which we saw last night, so it's not because I have a great memory, but one of the parts of it is that the guy who is one of the heroes of the show prevented a doctor uh, who saves lives from actually killing someone who had committed a crime against her sister, and uh, he just told her, you will never, when you kill someone, you never forget that. You just, and again, I don't have that experience, but if, if it ever happens, uh, he says, you will never, ever forget it. So don't do this because even though you think you will have served justice, it will affect you for the rest of your life. Don't do it. And so when I transpose that, I think of Paul. If Paul's ministry led to imprisonment, to the breaking up of families, to children losing parents, to some people even dying, I can imagine that he can reflect on that and think, wow, I remember that face. I remember that moment. And yet God comes in and says, let's put all that aside and I'm just going to smother you abundantly, overwhelm you with mercy and grace and I'm going to give you forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, but life. Because what does he say? He says, Christ Jesus our Lord gave me strength. He considered me faithful. And then he appointed me to serve. In other words, God in his great mercy and grace took this guy who was really, really bad, even though he thought he was serving God, and said, I'm going to put that aside and we're going to wipe it clean. And I'm going to give you a ministry to tell other people about me. How can you not be thankful? 
How can you not be thankful? It reminds me of, of my parents. I, as you, many of you might or might not know, uh, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I went to a Catholic grammar school. I went to a Catholic high school. I went to college, uh, Catholic college for two years. So basically, my parents spent money sending me to private school for 14 years. And at the end of those 14 years, I said, I'm done with the church. I do not know how they felt. They never said a word. But when I went to seminary, a seminary different from their faith, they paid for the whole thing. So what do you want to tell me? My parents said, yeah, thanks. Like a sticker? No, to me, that was like, wow. My parents, probably hurt by my youngness, my, my foolishness, dare I say even the word stupidity, never complained or said, wow, what kind of child are you? Like my, me, I'm, I'm, as I'm thinking about this, especially I'm thinking, why did my, none of my kids never went to Moody? What's wrong with that? But not only did they say nothing, but they gave me everything. Does that make sense? I mean, and that, that's like the gospel where we have nothing to give God because if we look at ourselves, we should be saying, man, this is, I'm, I need mercy and grace. And God says, it's yours if you'll believe. And I'm not just going to forgive you, but I'm going to use you to tell other people. How could Paul not be thankful? So I think when we're looking at Paul's story here, his first response is gratefulness, thankfulness, because God's mercy and grace leads us to be thankful. But I also think it leads us to a second thing, and it's this. God's mercy and grace leads us to be humble. Verse 15 says this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, you got to listen to this. Does anyone know who Charles Stanley is? Charles Stanley is a Southern Baptist preacher from Atlanta, and uh, I used to like him because one of the greatest lines, when he was going to tell you something that was really important, he would say, listen. And you know people don't listen. If I say that right now, you're probably not even listening. But he goes, he goes listen. Now listen. And he'd say it sometimes a third time. What he's saying is, this is really important. Pay attention. You're going to get this. You've got to get this. That's what, what's the Paul doing? He's saying, yeah, this, this is a trustworthy saying. In other words, you've got to trust this. This is good. But he goes on and he expands and he says, it deserves full acceptance. And he goes, really, really, dudes, I want you to pay attention to this. It's this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst, which I find is interesting. And I don't know why he puts there, and then again, I don't want to uh, slander Paul, but he's using the present tense. And uh, my thinking is, there's a problem with that because you're Paul. You're the Apostle Paul, man. I mean, you're like on top of the world. I mean, you have like almost all the gifts that God can ever give and everything's great about you. And yet here you're telling us you are the worst still. And, and I'm not really fully sure why that is. Maybe someone could explain that in some other context. But to me, what he's basically saying is I still have a grasp. I still have a grasp of my need for the gospel. I have not arrived. I am not perfect. And if that grace and mercy of God is removed, man, I could be in bad shape. So I think I explained this last week is in, in process group uh, when I was asked the question, <clears throat> and I don't even remember what the question is, but I just remember my answer is, I, I shudder at who I am and who I could be without Christ. And again, 
you can trust me, I'm not a serial killer. I wouldn't be a serial killer or anything. I'm just saying that, that there's something in me that gravitates towards the love of sin and how much I want to embrace it and be swallowed up in it. And so I wonder if what Paul is saying is, without this mercy and grace, I want you to understand, Christ came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And, 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 and what I'm hearing is, listen, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, God, in Christ, can and does save if you will believe. And to me, that's just absolutely incredible because really what he's, it's to me almost like a a statement of humility on Paul's part. Now, mind you, we've already mentioned this a little bit, but Paul really could be proud of his religious heritage. He was the Pharisees of Pharisees, man. He was the best of the best. But he can still say, I am the worst. That doesn't make sense to me. And then to think that as he's followed Christ, to think that he is one of the the leaders, a pioneer in many ways of, of foreign missions in the early church, and still that he could say, I am the worst, leads me to think that even though he struggled a lot with pride, he actually remembered who he was, who he is, who he could be, and thus was why he stayed humble in the midst of that struggle with pride. It should lead us to a sense of humility in saying that, listen, here am I. I am not special because I am me. I am special because what Christ has done in me and ultimately what Christ has done through me. See, Paul here is saying, listen, verse 16, But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe. In other words, no one is out of the reach of God's mercy and grace if they will come, if they will believe. I think what kept Paul humble was the fact that he reflected on his past. Now, that's not really a powerful thing to do for some people because, you know, like we reflect on the past, we grab what's in the past, we kind of search, why do I do this and why do I do that, and then we move on. I think Paul continually went over that because it reminded him to stay humble. And to him, the gospel was so important that humility kept him where he needed to be where God could keep him and keep using him. Because that past, when we reflect on that past, it reminds us of the things that we did and the things that we want people to avoid in the future. So one of the things, which I've shared with you before, but I want to restate because I like to restate this every once in a while in public, is that youth group, we don't encourage dating. Not because I'm not fun. Which, of course, Jeannie Lee once said that she was glad Davis was a part of youth group because at least they have someone fun in the leadership. But I got over that. Someday. It was funny. I thought it, she didn't really mean that. It was funny, though. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. It was a great line. Um, it was kind of like the time when Richard, had, uh, Richard said to me, you know, that one little God help us sign? And he took the comma off because, you know, it was a picture of the pastors. It was God help us. These are our pastors. I digress. I'm, I apologize. But we, we don't encourage dating. And here's why. Because when I grew up, dating was a game. Dating was a game. 
In other words, it was trying to, who, who's going to win this game? And so there's a lot of people who get hurt. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of agony, stuff that we carry with us. And so I, when I reflect on stuff like that, the reason I don't encourage dating, even in my own family, is because I don't want them to experience that pain. So what Paul is doing is he's remembering, he's reflecting on his past, realizing who he is. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was a violent man. He was someone who went out of his way to hurt people, and he enjoyed it, and he remembers that, and he will never forget that because he realizes it causes him to go to Christ. Even after coming to Christ, believing in Christ, he still goes back to that because what he finds is not just regrets or failure, but he finds Christ because Christ comes into that. So Paul's response is is a sense of humility that I am not the best. I am not the greatest. And it's not just here that Paul says it, but he says, I'm the least of the apostles. Because to him, when he reflects on the gospel, and then he reflects on himself as he takes it a step further, he realizes this is all about God. Because in a sense, you could say Paul had a very, very strict religious upbringing, very similar to mine. Very follow the book, very good person, very good citizen. And he had that one season in life where he thought he was doing right, but he wasn't and realize that he wasn't, yet still Christ comes into that and says, it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done. All good or all bad, but Christ came to save sinners, of which I am the worst, and which all of us would say, you know what, we're bad too. We are as well. Because what Paul really is trying to get across here is this, that it is ultimately God who does all this stuff. It's not about us. It's not about us. Look, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. What did he do? In 4 verse 12, he gave him strength. He considered him faithful. And he appointed him for service. In turn, in verse 13, he showed mercy to Paul in his ignorance and unbelief. He abundantly poured grace upon him. In verse 15, it goes on. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. For what reason? To show that God would show his unlimited patience to each and every person. And so how does Paul finish all of this? He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Why? Because it's all about what God does. And my response to the goodness of God, my story, as I tell you my story in finding Christ is an explosion of gratefulness because God can do something and in me and through me when I really didn't deserve it. And that keeps me humble for a reason because that's where I find God. And that's what the scripture teaches us, doesn't it? That in humility, God extends his grace. And so what we have here is a man who says, listen, here's my story. I am not better. I am not better. We'd like to think, yeah, Paul was better than a lot of people, and maybe he was better than the original 12. But Paul's saying, no, I am not better. And it is not about me. And it is not a competition between me and Peter or me and anyone else. It is basically Christ coming into our situation, we who are sinners, to come and save us from our sin and to set us free. And how can I not say thank you? A debt... A debt not only paid, but then I'm also given credit. 
a place where God looks at me and says, man, you don't deserve anything, but I'm going to give you not only everything, I'm going to take it beyond that and allow you to serve me in the midst of the world that you live in. That to me ultimately is Paul's story. And I think what we need to do then are two things as I wrap this up is one, reflect on and learn from your past. Now, a lot of people, when they look at their past, they get very depressed, which can be understanding. They might think, man, all the people that I hurt and the things that I did wrong, how can I ever get past that? But what I think Paul would teach us, and again, I I could be wrong, but I think he would teach us is learn from that. Reflect on your past. Realize what you did. Accept the full impact of that. Get that. uh, Embrace it. Drown in it or whatever it is. But don't stay there. But reflect on it because it will remind you of how good God has been to you and burst out with thanksgiving. See, man, this is awesome as to what God has done for me. Mind-blowing. Amazing. And, and, and it, it makes me realize that when Paul shares his faith, he says he's compelled to share Christ. It's not because... Somebody got up and said, let's have an evangelism seminar and tell people. It's because in his story, he'd received so much. He said, how can I not? If someone finds a cure for cancer, they're not going to keep it and say, whoa, man, I found a cure for cancer. This is really cool, but I'm not going to tell anybody. And then somebody comes on and goes, you need to go to a tell everybody about your cure for cancer seminar. And suddenly it's going to turn on. It's the heart. Paul was thankful, and because he was so thankful, it overflowed into everything that he did. And yet, in the midst of that, the second thing we need to do is to remember the mercy and grace of God is bigger than our sin, which drives us to absolute humility. I, I, you know, like, sometimes when you have groups, all right, let's uh, stand together, uh, tallest to shortest. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I found this sometimes uh, where you kind of start comparing yourself spiritually to people, like... Uh, I'm, I'm a seven or eight, but, you know, so-and-so over there, they're only a six. So I'm all right. I got a little room to do whatever I want to do or what have you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is we're all in the same boat, man. If the boat's sinking, it doesn't matter whether you're the tallest person or you're the short, shortest person. Ultimately, what the gospel teaches us is God is bigger than our sin. And you may not have the testimony of Paul. You may be the religious Paul that grew up. But either way, we still have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We all need a Savior. And that's what Paul is saying. There is a Savior who does it all. And he bursts out and he says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. In other words, he caps it off. God starts it. God keeps it going, and God finishes it. I have no room for pride. How can I be better than anyone? Because it's not about me and what I do, but it's about what God has already done and is continuing to do and will continue to do in the future as I trust in him. And his pride is all gone. So we reflect on our past and learn for it, and we remember the mercy and grace that we have received from God. Fair enough? All right, let's pray. And what I want us to do, rather than me just spouting off in words, is I want even our worship team to sit for a minute. Breathe. You know, we're always running somewhere. Run here, run there. And I just, let's just stop, just for a few minutes. I know this is going to be hard for some of us. Maybe some of you are going to fall asleep. It's totally cool. But just sit. Rest. 
take a few moments to reflect on your past and think, wow, I did that, and I did that, and I did that. My hope is that God would move in us in a way that as we reflect, that we'll see his mercy and his grace. Father, I think we would confess that we hate silence. For in silence, so many things start to pop up, whether it's, oh man, I forgot to do this and I have more to do. Or even in our silence of, wow, I'm a mess. Because our belief is, if we stay busy and keep doing things, it'll all get better. But I wonder if your call to us is to rest in you. And how that rest is transformed by remembering who we were without Christ. And even who we could end up being without Christ. And yet you have stepped into history and drawn us into your story to show the world that you have come to save sinners, to rescue them from their sin, to take them from darkness, to bring them into light, to remove an unpayable debt and to replace it with uncomprehending credit. Father, we ask, not just because we're here this morning, but we ask that you will draw us to you, that we will see you, that we will see what you have done for us, and that it will lead to a gratefulness that just overflows from our lives. And we pray too that as we follow Jesus, keep us from the pride that makes us think that we are better than others. Help us to walk in humility, loving and serving, because you have strengthened us. You have considered us faithful. And you've called us to minister to this world. Not to ministry, but to minister Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.